Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Ryan Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Ryan Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 139th edition of the TFS Pod. Uh, first and foremost, we'll start off 9 11, 22 years ago. Cannot believe that that was that long ago. Darkest day in American history. Um, still. You know, people are still passing away from it, which is tragic. Um, obviously, just a terrible event, and we honor those who um, passed away and and fought um, to save lives. So, thank you to those and um, prayers with those families, remembering their family members that passed away. Well, uh, since we talked last Monday, there's sure been a lot of stuff that's come out. NFL is in full swing at the Bills Jets game on just kicked off. Um, Week one's almost in the books. College football week two done. Um, Michigan State uh, back in the news again for the wrong reasons. We'll get to that later. Probably be some choice language, so I apologize for that um, in advance. Um, But we will start with the podium as we always do. I'll go first. Um, This has been a topic of conversation within the NCAA. I don't think we've talked about it, but I thought I'd bring it up because it's ridiculous. So there's this guy, receiver for North Carolina's name is Tez Walker. Um, pretty good player. He was really good for Kent State last year, all MAC player. Um, he had started his career at, a, at an HBCU. Their seat in 2020 season got canceled. It transfers to Kent State. Um, you know, plays there for a couple years and then decides he wants to transfer to North Carolina to play with Drake May. Um, and you know, probably hope get his pro career, um, you know, leg up and, and try to get drafted um, in the upcoming 2024 draft. The NCAA says, nope, you transferred once already. You're not going to transfer again and be eligible this time right away. Um, and, you know, there were some cases about it, you know, meetings, whatever, get, keeps getting pushed and pushed. And he was ineligible for the first game. Um, and then they had their the hearing Thursday, and they said he's ineligible to play. Screw you, NCAA. Once again, um, just getting in the way. You do nothing of use except for, well, actually, you don't do anything of use. That's, that's beside the point, but... Just another stupid rule. Like, I get it. Like, two-time transfer whatever. This guy didn't. It's not like he was, like, some of these guys play at, like, five schools and they get to transfer whenever they want and play because they're graduates, whatever. BS. Um, These guys are trying to get closer to home and and go to college closer home because of, you know, sick family members, you know, issues at, at home, whatever. They don't let them, but they let these guys that go to Michigan, Ohio State, you know, go right away. Joey Hauser is another example. Like he transferred because it's, the coach got fired, wanted to get out, couldn't play right away. Um, it's just ridiculous. There's no point in the NCAA even being a thing anymore. I bet by 2035 there won't even be a thing anymore. It'll be gone completely. It'll be all be its own entity. Um, but good lord, NCAA, you have issues out the wazoo, and this is just another prime example of it. I feel bad for this kid. Um, and his family really um, sucks. They don't have the student athletes' no, best interest in mind. No, and the thing is, is in this case, 
he didn't play at the first school. No. So you look at just the facts like, okay, I get it. If he went and played somewhere and then played somewhere else and then wanted to play a third place. No, I get it. You got to draw the line, but he did not play. He may have transferred there, but he did not get a chance to play. So that's the, that's the fact, or that's where he started, but they didn't get a chance to play. Facts are facts. He never played it down at that school. He should be allowed to play. Like I get there are rules, but then these are logical exceptions, and the NCAA makes no logical exceptions. For my podium, Ryan talked a little bit about it. I'm going to stay a little bit off sports, although I can correlate it back. And just, I remember 9-11 like it was yesterday. You know, it was 22 years ago, so I was 28 years old. Ryan was two. Get a call from Kristen when I was working for Amway, uh, then actually called Quickstar. Hey, did you turn on the news or did you check the news? There was a plane that hit the World Trade Center. They think it might have been a commuter plane. I'm like, no, that's weird. So immediately I start to go to like Fox, USA Today, whatever then. All the sites are locked up and I'm like, oh boy, this is much bigger than this. So I told a coworker about it. We went down and we knocked on the uh, conference room um, door where there was a meeting going on and just said, hey, sorry to interrupt, but this is what we heard. Um you know, can we flip on the TV? And we flipped it on in time to see the second plane hit. We saw, you know, the NBC correspondent reporting from the Pentagon when that got hit. We saw the towers collapse and sat there and watched, you know, over and over and over. And I still to this day watch the shows, even though I've seen them, just because I, it's just, it's so mind boggling to me that it happened. And then it's even more mind-boggling that we have morons in society today who make January 6th out to be a bigger thing than that when January 6th was a manufactured thing. So piss off to you people because the the people who gave up their lives, the people on Flight 93 that took that flight down so it wouldn't hit another civilian area or the Capitol or something like that, the people who, the firefighters, the 343 New York finest that sacrificed their lives, the police officers, the paramedics, who died going up the stairs, you know, to save people's lives. And there were countless stories of people whose lives were saved. My own financial planner was actually in the World Trade Center that day and like his second day of the job um, and training and, and got out. Like, I mean, think of the lives changed and the way the world has changed. And I put on LinkedIn today that give me back the United States that existed in the day, days, week, weeks, months, months, and even almost like a few years afterwards, we were brought together. We were molded by this event. And today couldn't be more divisive, more anti-religious, more ungodly than at any time in my 50 years on this earth. And it's sick and it's disgusting. And it's it's a day like today and remembrance makes me proud to have to have been part of America. And I want to get us back there. I think about how, you know, President Bush, whether you liked him or not, you know, went out there and threw the first pitch, you know, security be damned because he didn't know what was going on still in the world at the World Series, you know, a week or so later, uh, threw a strike over the heart of home plate, you know, what it was like to be in, in football stadiums after that. Um, you know, in the just the feeling of patriotism and, and the feeling of what it was like to be a part of a country that was together and molded by this tragedy. And now we just have all this divisiveness and it's gross and it's disgusting and it's rearing its heads in all aspects of society. And we'll get to a not at all related, but kind of an example of how society's gone to hell in a handbasket a little bit later in the podcast. All right. Great. Love it. <laughs>
uh, flag of the week. There's some different stuff we could do. We're going to throw the, throw the flag on Michigan uh, resident Mike Tarico. So you all may know him. The We don't know if he's black, whatever he is. I don't know, black, Italian, whatever he is. This dude is the Sunday Night Football, whatever, main guys, the new Al Michaels, whatever. He comes out after the Lions game and says, oh, there should be an asterisk by this win because Travis Kelsey didn't play. Hey, Mike, shut the Chris Jones F up, dude. Injuries happen, Injuries Mike. happen in sports. You, do, am I ever going to apologize for winning a game? No, absolutely not. And Aaron Rodgers is hurt on TV as I say this. Um, grabbing his knee. That's that's lovely. Um, but back to the podcast. Um, Mike, shut up. You're a Michigan. You know how much this meant to Detroit, the the people of Michigan, um, for the Lions to be on Thursday night football. You know the the hype train train growing. You we win this game, and you say this crap against the defending Super Bowl I mean, champion at your, their place. Shut your mouth. Celebrating the Super Bowl, dropping the banner. And I'm telling you, there are asterisks then with every single game is there that's an played in last every night in the, sport. In the Giants lost because it was raining. Like what? Yeah. Shut just, up, dude. Yeah. Like You're done with your people. Crap. Don't think before they talk. That is 100 percent for sure. Yeah. Not great. All right. Four downs time. Week two review. Uh, we can start in the Big Ten, then kind of cycle out, I guess. Um, so we'll start Indiana Smoke, Indiana State. Don't care about that one really. Kansas and Illinois. We came into the season thinking Illinois had a good defense. Boy, were we wrong. They got torched again. Kansas um, beats them pretty good um, in Lawrence. Um, just uh, Illinois struggling, man. It's just uh, one of one could very well be 0-2. Um, they're just not great on defense. And Brett Bielma, that's usually the calling card. A good defense, good offensive line. Um their offense, I think, is okay. They're missing those those NFL guys that went. Now, probably more so than I gave credit for. Yeah, and their coordinator, who's obviously Purdue's coach. Um, I Look, I didn't pick them in my preseason prognostications over last week to win that game, but they looked pretty bad for a good chunk of it. They made a little bit of run there to kind of make it somewhat of a game, but, yeah, um, you know, fortunately for them, I don't think there's well no actually I take that back they play Penn State this week so yeah, it doesn't get luck. any it's easier at home but yeah. Um, yeah just not a great showing for Illinois they got to get off the mat Ohio State Youngstown State Ohio State didn't cover again um, I didn't see a thirty five thirty five seven I think Harrison played pretty decent I think McCord played a little better but still you should be beating that team by a lot more than that but whatever Penn State dismantled Delaware put up a ton of points again. 63 spot. Yeah, they can score, man. They're good. Um, Purdue, Virginia Tech, didn't see much of that. They had that long, long delay. Purdue gets the win. Um, yeah, fun fact on that one. Purdue, first win at an ACC school since 2003. That's crazy. That's literally crazy. Um, but good for Purdue. Got the first win in the season. Um, broke through. Um, Colorado, Nebraska. I don't think that game was as close in Nebraska, as the score showed. In Nebraska, guess what? It doesn't matter who your coach is. You're cursed. You're cursed. Not cursed. You're garbage. You throw your your quarterback sucks. You go in the portal and get this guy that has his eyes ten feet apart. Can't throw. He fumbled twice. Threw two picks. I mean, they're garbage. 
They're complete garbage. Yeah, that's like Matt Rule is no doubt probably going to do a good job there, but not until he gets guys in there that can play the way that he wants to play. I mean, yes, transfer portal helps that. Obviously, Dion got 80 new guys out of the transfer portal, but like not everybody's going to be able to do that. You're certainly not going to be able to do that as Matt Rule. Deion Sanders is a special character to be able to do that. So it's going to take time. And one thing I know for sure is Nebraska fans will be patient because they've been being patient. They just want a winner back, and they're probably all – ruining the day that they ran Frank Solich out when all he did was win nine and yeah, ten games Bo every year. I mean, seriously. Bo Pelini was kind of a cock knock. Yeah, but well, they won nine games every year with him. That's true. Uh, Michigan did not cover against UNLV again. I mean, JJ's putting up good numbers, but their running game hasn't been as good. I don't think either rusher has reached 100 yards yet. Um, odd, but, I mean, they're playing high school teams, so it doesn't matter. Right. Big Ten East went 7-0 and this weekend against Iowa. Iowa um, wins against Iowa State. Can't score still. One of their touchdowns is about their defense still. They're averaging 23 points a game or whatever. Um, <laughs> through two, um, looks like you might be fired there, Brian. Um, terrible. No way. And in that game, Ference, coach, congrats, 200 wins now. Yeah, wow. Pretty remarkable. Pretty crazy. The dean of Big Ten coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, then UTEP, Northwestern, we both said that uh, UTEP was going to win, and Northwestern actually kind of blew them out, which was interesting. Um, I don't didn't watch any of it. So they were down know. early, and then, they, yeah, they, I think they outscored them, whatever it was, whatever the final score was, to seven the rest of the way. And it was, you know, I look back, I picked Northwestern in the preseason to win that game, but last week I said no way they had a chance because just how poorly they played against Rutgers. So good on them, you know. I don't, I don't know that that's going to really translate to much more. Uh, you know, I mean, you've got who do you have this week? You have Duke. So no, Yikes. not going to happen. Twenty point dog in that game. So yikes! Yeah. Not. Uh, Maybe Wisconsin, Howard in week seven. Wisconsin. Week Wisconsin goes to uh, Pullman and plays like crap. I told you that was coming. Yeah. Um, two Good years call. in a row, lost to Washington State. Made a late run, but buried themselves they're early. Just they're they're not very good. The Big Ten's not very good. I'm sorry. The Big well, Ten the Big West, Ten is, West not is good. Horrible. It's not good. Charlotte was beating Maryland at half. Looked pretty good. Then Maryland kind of turned it on. Didn't cover though. Um, Minnesota hardly covered against Eastern. Didn't look great in the first half. Kind of turned it on as well. Then Rutgers beats Temple. Um, didn't watch any of that. Um, Handled them pretty well. Then Michigan State, Richmond. Uh, Michigan State covered. I, I made the t- spread at twenty four and a half because it was never out until like the time of the game. And it was twenty nine and a half, or whatever. Win by thirty one. Um, offense looked a lot, you know, more smooth after the first drive there. Um, oh boy, they were getting the cart for Rodgers. Yeah, they started. Uh, you know, Michigan State. No, Noah Kim started zero and zero for three in that yeah, game, and, and only one incompletion. The rest he was of the Big game, Ten so. Offensive Player of the Week. Deservingly so, because last week I was hang, you know, Tuesday night, Monday night, whenever it was. We I think we did the Monday, uh, we did the pot on Monday, and I was watching about how you know on the BTN Week One show they didn't say a thing about Michigan State last week over Central. Not they didn't put Kim up there with new quarterbacks who threw for over two hundred yards. They did no coverage of Michigan State last week. I would imagine that they did this week for all the wrong reasons, but. Kim leads the Big Ten in passing yards after two games, and Carter leads the Big Ten in rushing yards after two games. So you've got the number one quarterback and the number one running back in the Big Ten as of now playing at Michigan State. Rubber meets the road this week. But, um, you know, look, 
probably the most telling thing that I heard, and we kind of brought it up a little bit in the podcast last week with regard to Keon Coleman, who had another highlight real play, at least one for Florida State. Uh, I think it was Antonio Gates. They were talking to him in the post game about the nice pitch and catch touchdown that he had first catch, career catch at Michigan State leads to a long touchdown. Um, and he said one statement that rang true with me and the reason why Michigan State has to do whatever it can to keep Courtney Hawkins, no block, no rock. Yep. And I know that Keon Coleman went for money and he went to go play for a bigger time program and blah, 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 blah. But I'm telling you, you watch that guy, he does not block, but he still gets the rock because he's good. But that's not going to translate in the NFL because you need to be able to block in the NFL too. So, um, look, I think Michigan State's skill players have settled in nicely. Concern is if Berger, who was in a boot at the game, hopefully that was precautionary and he's not really out because while, while in particular Prim had more burst and wiggle, he fumbled after Simmons fumbled, and with yeah, that's Mangum still out, that's not because Carter could be back this week, but um, hopefully he is because you need you need two backs. You just you just do you need two backs, whether it's because of injury or just to give a guy a blow or whatever. Um, Carter's the real deal though. He picks up the blitz. He's pretty good he's, pass he's catcher, nice but Berger is a very good compliment to him. So I'm hoping that he's not out long term. Defensively, look, it's Richmond, but um, minus giving up a what was that a it was off of a turnover. The I mean, the, the, both of the points were off of turnovers. Turnovers, I mean, fumbles, sweep right? Six and then short short field, field. So against the backup defense, right? And the defense um, secondary continued to be thumpers, rotating a lot of bodies on the front. Seven sacks. So if you're in the stadium and you care, you get some go stacks, get your maybe. get your IHOP within three days afterwards. The nice thing is it's anywhere in the state of Michigan, not just in the Lansing area. So. If you can deal with the sawdust pancakes, they're free. You get a stack with three sacks, and oh, Michigan yeah. State had seven. Um, and three had in the 13, first quarter. 13 tackles for loss in that game, too. So, And then, you know, other Kim, not Noah, nails the 52-yarder Into um, the off, the cro- off the crossbar, but still 52-yarder. I think, well, I had forgotten Jack Stone hit one 51 yards last year against Penn State, but... I couldn't think of another time where Michigan State. Had oh, a, I haven't. A I think that was, a, that was like the that. longest kick since Michael Geiger in 2016. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been. That's a while, when I was so. in high school. And you know, kickoff after kickoff is a touchback, which is great. So so far, um, but rubber meets the road this week. We'll get to that, you know, in, in second down. But um, a couple other thoughts that I had. Um, hey, Bud Light, you're a little too late with the NFL and college party ads. So get out of my face with those when I'm watching TV. So here's a rhetorical question for you, Ryan. Is Texas A&M a fraud again? Yes. Jimbo Fisher is a piece of crap coach. And guess what? I, I, I forgot about this until today. He has two scumbags as his coordinators. Bobby Petrino, he hooks up with cheerleaders slash receptionists. DJ Durkin, a player killer, is his defensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, Lovely. Just desserts for Tamu. Yep. Um, all right, another question for you. Too much, Dion? Yeah, there's a little too. I mean, college game day is going to Colorado, Colorado State next week. I get right. it. Like it, he's a legendary player. He, you know, is a great personality. Whatever he's, he's excited. But this is too much. And I mean, it's also making it. And I think even Dion would say making it a little bit too much about him yes. and not the program. I mean, I, I mean like he's got an ego. Shadur, no Shadur is a good player, really good quarterback. Travis Hunter's really good. They have some nice pieces, but. Good Lord. I mean, they. I, I don't think they're going to make a bowl game still. I mean, they have to play. The Pac-12 looks pretty damn good. 
Right. Honestly, probably the best. It looks better. And they than... beat uh, TCU. Okay, fine. They were a national runner-up last year, but are they that caliber again this no. year? No. Nebraska, are they good? No. So okay, they're two and zero. Great. They have won what only a couple games last year. One, one game last, last year. year. So all right, great. They got donors up. They got sellouts. They got all this stuff. Dion's got the hype going. You know, they're gonna. I'm sure rail Colorado State, but then they play Oregon here in a couple weeks. That's when the rubber meets the road. Which is what's going to happen for Michigan State this week against Washington under lots of other different circumstances, too. So, like, um, I, I I think it's too much. Like, it's typical of the media, right? Like, they glom onto the story and they beat it until it absolutely dies and then they choke the rest of the air out of it. And it's just like, it's, it's like, that's been played. Like, come on. There's other things in college football other than one guy. Like, it's other things other than the SEC, which... Speaking of which, now this is SEC on SEC, future SEC on current SEC crime, but Texas is back. Is Texas better yeah. than Alabama, yes. or was that a one-game no, deal? No, Texas is for real. They they are fast. What are you thinking is Ewers Arch Manning? is really good. Because Arch Manning sitting there probably thought he might play this year a little yeah, bit. Well, it's, it's his next year because Ewers is going to be a first-round pick if he continues on that. I mean, yeah, he's, true. he's improved dramatically. He looks way yeah, better. Yeah, he's living up to all that NIL hype when he Mr. left Ohio high school State early. probably wishes they had him now, huh? Good Lord. Yeah, funny, because had he stayed at Ohio State, he obviously he'd be is. the QB there. So he'd be QB1 either way, wherever he is. But, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective for sure um, from that. Let's see what other big games were. Um how about Peyton Thorne? Didn't he have like a dud game yeah, against a bad for 14 Cal team? For eighty for ninety yards, a two touchdowns, a pick, and a fumble. I mean, that feels very last very year like. I mean, Auburn's not very good. And, and Pugh Free said like if he isn't cleaning up, he's he's out basically. So. Yeah, Utah with two touchdowns in the last two minutes to come back and win yeah, at Baylor, who lost to Baylor, Texas Baylor, State yeah, the week Baylor, before. Yikes! So Double yikes! Yeah. Fright night. So it's um I'm trying to think if there are any other big games. Early good stuff going on in college football. That's yeah, there sure. no, there have there's been some Tulane, uh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss beat them pretty good without their quarterback. Um, Tulane is out, but um, Oregon, Texas Tech, that was a good game. Backdoor cover by Oregon on the scoop six or whatever at the end of the game. Crazy. You see it, LSU stat line. They won seventy two ten. Daniels had five touchdown passes in the first half. Good lord, that's a good little bounce back. App State almost got North Carolina again. Again. Just so close, Um, but so far away. That's really it, I think, from from this past week. Um, All right, let's before second down. Let's get a word from our second down slash Big Ten segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with thirty plus years of experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post campaign measurement. Visit NorrisSportsGroup.com to learn more today. Right. Second down, baby. All right, let's go uh, a little week three preview here. Um, all right, let's just jump. How did we do last week? Uh, I beat you. We all didn't do great. Um, I went ten and five. You went eight and seven. Um, so actually, not terrible, but but I did win I'm one up, of my parlays on. I'm up on you so. now by one point through three weeks of bet or guessing. All right, week three, Big Ten slate. There's there's no newsflash. There's no good non-con games this weekend. It's pretty dud. Oh, Michigan State, Washington. Well, that's, but it's not even, you can't, most people can't even watch it. Oh, it's not Peacock. Peacock. 
And then True. that week four is a delicious slate. Um, tons of very good games, um, but we'll stick with week three here. Friday night, lights, College Park, Maryland, Virginia, Maryland, the little old ACC battle. Virginia lost to James Madison. They came last back, week. Uh, but they lost, yeah. Well, they blew a lead late. Uh, uh, 13 and a half to spread. I. I don't think Maryland's that good. I think UVA loses by 13. They cover it. Yeah, I think UVA is going to cover because they're going to be salty from blowing it against James Madison and, you know, finally making a a chance to get a win after a pretty lengthy losing streak. But I think they're going to lose, but they'll cover. Penn State, Illinois. 14 and a half is the spread. I think Penn State absolutely demolishes Illinois in this crap defense that they have. I think it's going to be like 41 to like 14. Now, remember this. Illinois, Illinois played them well. beat them in seven overtimes a couple of years at Penn ago. State. At yep. Penn State. This is at Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody expects Illinois to win because Illinois laid an egg against Kansas. It would be hilarious if they won. Uh, I think Illinois has a pretty decent offense. I think their defense is definitely a work in progress. Altmaier is pretty solid. So you think Penn State's going to cover that yeah, by far? Yeah, yes. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Illinois is going to lose by 14, so they're going to cover that spread. I think they're going to they're going to rise to the occasion. They 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 do in a game or two every year, and Penn State lately has been kind of that game where they they rise up. Penn yeah, State, you're right. I a few it. years ago, Penn State had way more talent than they do. Illinois has more talent than they did then. Um, you know, Penn State's offense is definitely scary against Illinois' defense, but I think they'll shore it up a little bit and. I I like uh, I like Illinois to cover in that game. Straight up here, Louisville, Indiana in Lucas Oil Stadium. Indiana's dog water. Louisville Brom going against his old rival, um, making yeah, the Louisville. trek north to uh, Indiana. I'm going Louisville for sure. Louisville, yeah. Um, Indiana's not very good. Georgia Southern versus Wisconsin. Sixteen and a half is the spread. I think. That's Helton's the coach at Georgia Southern. They beat Nebraska last year. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen this year. I think Wisconsin has a bad taste in their mouth. I think they cover um, 16 and a half. I think they get a bounce back, yeah. I don't think it's going to be much more than that. I could see them winning yeah, by like 17, 17 maybe 20. 20. Yeah. Um, Georgia Southern is decent to be getting 16, you know, 16 and a half at Wisconsin. Buffalo is 28 and a half point dog yeah. there. So, um, yeah, I, I think they'll cover that. I think it's bounce back. All right, um, this is a decent game, actually. Minnesota at North Carolina. Um, I just don't I don't see it with Minnesota. I don't think they're great. I, I think Flex an okay coach. Their defense is good, which could keep will keep them in the game. Drake's going to have to. He's too good. North Carolina straight up in this one. Yeah, North Carolina has played tougher opponents so far in South Carolina and App State. I yeah, I think I think we're just going straight up in this one. Yeah, yeah, it's a closer North spread. Carolina. Yep. Uh, Northwestern at Duke. Um, 20 is the spread. I, I'm conflicted on this one. I don't I don't. We're know. going spread. I'm going to go Duke because Duke yeah, absolutely laid the hammer also. last week. And, I think and, I have to And also. they smoked Clemson at home. I, I just, I mean, I have not seen Northwestern play yet. I just know what I knew from the Rutgers game and is why I picked UTEP against them last week, but I think North Duke's going to cover that spread. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, Western Michigan, Iowa, 26 and a half is the spread. 
Western Michigan to cover. You, Iowa can't score Iowa 26 can't score points. 26 points. Can't do it. When is Vegas going to figure it out? Even though half of Western's team plays in the Big Ten now, I just, there's, there's no way. I will not pick Iowa to cover a spread until they can consistently score more points than the spread is. Yeah, no, I agree. Virginia Tech travels to Piscataway to play Rutgers. I don't. I'm going Rutgers. I I don't think Virginia Tech's very good, to be honest with you. No, I mean I picked. I think I picked Purdue last week at my Tech. Um, I at least I did in my preseason. Rutgers and is I, all right. And I They're pick, well coached. I picked Rutgers in this. They're well coached. I did pick Rutgers to start off three zero. So I'm going to stick with that. I think that they'll beat Virginia Tech. Ohio State versus the Hilltoppers. Twenty seven and a half is the spread here. Western Kentucky's been sneaky good the last uh, last ten years, really. I mean, decent CUSA program. Um, I just think Ohio twenty seven and a half. I think that's a lot for, but I think Ohio State opens it up this week a little bit. They need to be sharp going into yeah, Notre Dame. I, agree. I think they cover. I it. think they cover that too. Yeah, I think they'll blow them up. If it was over thirty, I'd say probably not. I realize twenty seven and a half is not that far away, but all right. Uh, well, this is an interesting one to me as well. Northern Illinois, the Fighting Rocky Lombardies, they travel to Nebraska. 14.5 is the spread. Northern Illinois already knocked off Boston College. Who's not very good. No, but neither was Nebraska. 14.5, Northern Illinois covers it. 14.5 points. Cover. Nebraska wins, but I agree. Northern Illinois covers that. Yeah. Oh, Michigan with another just doozy of a non-conference game against Bowling Green. I forty and a half is a spread. They're not going to cover it. They're over two. No, they won't cover that. Bowling, Bowling Green is not horrible. Bowling Green will cover forty and a half. Michigan can't beat a bad UNLV or a bad East Carolina team by the spread. Why? Why are they all of a sudden going to cover this right. one? And it's not like they're tuning up for the next week because they play Rutgers the next week. So <laughs> right, and, and then they Bowling. play Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, Syracuse, Purdue, Purdue. Uh, Syracuse is favored, I think. Aren't Syracuse, they? I think, is favored by two and a half. I'm going Boilers. I'm they going they Purdue. blood. They they want a want a revenge from last year, the last second touchdown by uh, by uh, Syracuse to win that thing. Uh, Purdue wins at home. All right, Michigan State, Washington. We're going spread here. Sixteen is the spread. By golly, the Spartans cover that thing. I think given, despite what happened, given the switchover that happened, I just think in the twenty, the 10th reunion from the 2013 Rose Bowl yep, team. There's a lot of factors. I'm telling you, I not only think that they're going to cover that, I think they're going to find a way to win. I can see it. Last they could also lose by 40. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what team comes out. I mean, kids, you, you don't... You don't know with the situation, and we'll get to it here in a minute, but the situation that they have to deal with, you just, you don't know. You'd think that they can compartmentalize it. They spend more time with their position coaches anyway. Coach D is a stabilizing force. They all like Coach Barnett, you know, as the interim head coach. So I just think they've got a bad taste in their mouth. But I will say this, shame on, I think it was like the free press or something I saw a headline is like, how far is Michigan state fallen that Washington is circled on the, on the calendar. First of all, Washington's now a big 10 foe. Second of all, Washington going into the preseason was a top 15 team. Third, Washington beat up on Michigan state last year when Michigan state still had some hopes of having a good season. Um, so what's wrong with circling that game? Just because we're not playing the 
schools of the deaf, dumb, and blind like Michigan Freep, Michigan lovers, bunch of birdcage liner material. Give me a break. Like, ripping on Michigan State for circling that as a big game. When's the last time Michigan played a big big out-of-conference game? Crickets. So, kiss my ass. <laughs> Notre Dame in 2018. Right. <laughs> Literally. Bite me. Um, all right, last one. Lions, Seahawks. 2-0. Motor City, Kitties. Yeah, I mean, K-9 had a decent no, game Lions yesterday for the Seahawks, out. but the Seahawks... Lost to the Rams, pretty shockingly. Um, we'll get to NFL in fourth down. But, yeah, I think the Lions will win that game. That's, it's at Ford Field. You know, I don't think – the one thing I would say is a, team, a Lions team in the past that would have pulled off a win like they did against Kansas City. First of all, they didn't play the perfect game to get it. But second of all, that a team that in the past would have pulled that off would have laid flat the next week because they wouldn't have the coaching and the focus. And this team has the coaching and the focus. So yep. the Lions are going to win that game. All right, third down. Do you want to real quick run through the the other hot spots and we can dive in? Yeah, the, then we'll dive discuss in the elephant so, in the room. All right. So first thing, how embarrassing for USA basketball? Uh, completely embarrassing. Would they lose to first? They lost to like Croatia. Yeah, then, then we, they lost to Germany. Yeah, I mean that's completely embarrassing. Um, I don't. I don't care if it was. I would rather go back to the days where Bobby Knight coaches a bunch of yeah. college players. And, mis- and and they uh, lose with no college players. There's no with third string pros. Like, no incentive for these guys to play. So and here's the play. thing: is USA basketball sucks because the brand of basketball in the NBA sucks. It's all ISO basketball. It's all pick and roll. There's no other movement to it. You get maybe a guy in the corner that can shoot. Nobody plays defense. It's not fundamental. It's stand around and watch, and it's look at what an athlete I am. Whereas the other countries still play fundamental hard-nosed basketball and I'm not knocking the pick and roll as as a bad play but like the two-man game when it's a five-man game on the floor uh uh-uh, doesn't work for me and I think it's embarrassing for the United States for basketball they don't care and the problem is is this the mouthpieces and the spokespeople for USA basketball are people like LeBron no wonder they don't care because they don't care about the names on the front of the jersey they care about the names on the back of the jersey yep so here's a question um from Munna for mailbag this this week. We got one from Mitchapalooza too, but I'm going to throw that in the NFL. I'm spreading his out. He sent us a bunch, but I don't want to do them all at one time and blow the blow the wad at once. So Mitch, we're going to Mil we're going to spread style. you over time, yeah. Um why has football this is from Mana gone to more of a passing game than a running game? I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I just feel like I the, you know, the, the year of the quarterback, they always say that. I feel like every other year in the NFL drafts, the year of the quarterbacks, the year of the quarterback. You know, as the as the game has evolved, you know, I feel like I think it was when I was – it was 2017, it was the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl, and they all kept – the only thing Collinsworth kept talking about was, oh, the RPO, the RPO, the run-pass option. That's when it kind of became a thing, you know, for, for these, co- these coaches that run this spread-style – you know, read and react to the defense kind of thing, see what it gives you, and then, you know, you have the option to run past. And it kind of evolved in. You see, you know, these young up-and-coming coaches that were, you know, former quarterbacks or receivers becoming offense coordinators, and they want to rip the ball around, you know. And then Joe Brady kind of became that guy for LSU with Joe Burrow when Joe Burrow just torched NCAA records and probably had the best single season by a quarterback in college football history. Um, that's when it kind of in the college game kind of was solidified and then it was kind of brought to the NFL. Running backs aren't valued anymore because they get hurt all the time, whatever. 
quarterback's always been the most important position. Now it's even more so. You need to be able to be athletic um, and be able to swing the ball. I, I just think it's just a, a custom do the pro game kind of evolving with the way plays were called because of philosophies and you know young up-and-coming guys wanting to have a change in the game and stuff like that. I think that's a big reason. I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that guys are faster, they're stronger, in some cases they're bigger, and and they're more athletic, and so you just want to spread out the field more and you want to take advantage of that. You know, gone are the days where – you know, you had one or maybe two wide receivers in a set, and it was packing the line tight and then just seeing where you could win up front. I mean, don't get me wrong, winning up front is still huge. Offensive and defensive lines are still at a premium when you look at champions in both the pro game and the college game, no question, because a good quarterback is only as good as his blind side is protected, is only as good as the time that he has to get off a throw. But I think all of a sudden when you can um, kind of be at the – put the defense at a disadvantage when you've got five options um, whether it's out of the RPO or you just have a kind of a shotgun or the pistol look with the with the running back deep 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 in the shotgun behind the quarterback you can throw him out in the flat and use his speed and his skills as a running back and, and elusive you can use your big receivers you can use slot receivers that'll go across the middle now granted defensive players are just as athletic and so on and so forth as well but I think when you can spread teams out you're at a distinct advantage um, versus having to gain an advantage strictly on being stronger and meatier and beefier and more well-schemed up front. So I think uh, one of the big reasons why passing is kind of overtaken it, running is because it's. I think it's in some respects it's easier to pass. You you can you know you'll often see like I judge an offensive line on their ability to run block more than the pass block because you don't have to do much if you have a, have a decent quarterback in terms of pass block. You just have to kind of get the guy off his route and give the quarterback four or five seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, they're thrown to spots. The receivers know where they're going. They The quarterbacks know where the receivers are supposed to be unless there's a miscommunication and something gets called wrong. I just think it's just such advantage offense to spread it out. And it's also advantage it's advantage over the disadvantage. So meaning if your line is okay, you can get away with that and still be really good and compete against really good teams if you can spread the ball around to your athletes. There are a lot more, I would say, skilled receivers, even tight ends and guys that play running back these days, I think are easier to find than big Haas offensive linemen. I yes. think the Haas offensive linemen that give true running teams the advantage are not a dime a dozen. There's a reason why, you, you, know, you know, there was a day in the NFL when left tackles were at a premium in the first round, and that just doesn't happen that much anymore. Yeah, guys get drafted in the first round, you know, a good guard here, a good center there, whatever, but you can find really good value for linemen now in the second and the third and the fourth round, and that's because there just aren't as many good ones, and the reason is is because, you don't need as many to scheme a good quarterback and good receivers. So I think the ability to spread the ball, put the defense at the disadvantage um, versus just a, we're going to smash mouth you and we're going to push you back further. And it's not a strength contest. You can, you can cover a lot more sins that way. As Brees Hall rips off a 90 some yard touchdown run. <laughs> All right. Elephant in the room. Uh, the biggest news. It'll, uh, Bear with me. Um, 
like I said, there'd probably be some foul language. We can't read the language. we can't read the initial the initial report for this was twelve hundred so, so pages. Those don't, we're talking about Mel Tucker here, um, suspended without pay, Michigan State coach. So Cliff notes um, under investigation for Title IX sexual harassment. Um, article published like one in the morning on um, by shocker night. ESPN um, ESPN then USA Today come out with I think it was e- it was USA Today's story but ESPN burned them on it and played it out first because you know that's how ESPN is especially have a hard on against Michigan State that way right but I mean it, 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 it this came out because Brenda Tracy went public with it the the defendant in this situation so um, so this lady um, sexual assault, rape survivor, um, you know, activist um, that Mel Tucker befriended in their quotations, developed a relationship with, um, weird stuff happens, turned into Mel Tucker. Um, what a freak. I mean, this guy, I, I get it, like, whatever happens in your personal life, whatever. It's it, First of all, I feel terrible for his family, but he says, oh, we were estranged for a long time, but he keeps saying that. That's BS. First and foremost, um, but well, so, I mean, we don't know that's BS. But uh, the bottom line is, is you are a public figure making a ninety-five million dollar contract. You can't. You you just you just need to use better judgment. There's no judgment. Like I get it. Your personal people do personal stuff that's not on the up and up all the time. I get it. People are human. We're we're sinners. We're not mistake free. I understand that. By itself, this would not be a fireable offense. But the problem is, is she lied about it. Um, And you just, and I'm telling you, because of what happened with Nasser, there's just an association to that. Is that right? No, because I believe in due process. This is not a court court of law type of thing. It's Title IX, sexual harassment. It's not sexual assault. This was not a physical thing. This was a... A non-consensual phone sex is what it came down to, which is really bizarre and weird, but whatever. In the exchanging of gifts, whatever. And the, and the thing is, is so I've got a bunch of notes on this. Um, well, well, how about this? So if anyone didn't see it earlier, you know, Tucker had his, you know, his, ex- his explanation from his lawyer, you know, doubling down that it's he's innocent, none of it's right, you know, it's consensual, all this stuff. Not long ago at 8.02, Brenda Tracy has a statement regarding, it says, this is just more of the same, I don't, Darvo, what the hell does that mean? D-A-R-V-O. Drevel. D-A-R-V-O. That's oh, the, it, it I says no in caps. that is. Deflection. Victim blaming and lies that I've been dealing with now for months. Coach Tucker has been delaying and trying to stop the investigative process since the beginning. He can't afford to go to a hearing that determines credibility of the participating parties. I believe the statement is the way of getting out of participating in the hearing. October 5th and 6th, I will be present for the hearing and make myself available for cross-examination by his attorney, Jennifer Belleville. I invite him to do the same. So, look, this is all I'm going to say about her because I'm not all about victim blaming. Read the initial story if you haven't already. And you and you tell me this. This is five times she's done something like this, and none of it has been has been either tried in the court of law and, and found to be true or whatever. So I'm not saying, but you draw your own conclusions. Both of them are idiots. 
And the thing is, is as Mike Valenti said today, so if you're not from the state of Michigan or if you are and you're not familiar with Mike Valenti, he was a producer on the Dave Mad Dog DeMarco show when Tom Crawford and I formerly did Bitter Rivals together way back when. Um, and we would go do a radio show with with Mad Dog one day a week in Lansing, and, and Valenti was his fresh out of college producer. He has his own show now, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. I highly recommend it. He's a he's really good at his job anyway, but he's a very passionate Michigan State guy too. Um, he hits the nail on the head with this. And and here's the thing: I'm going to read Mel's statement in a minute, just because I think it's it's interesting. But like. He came out guns hot today because whether, of course, everybody's going to deny, right? Like every both sides always are going to deny and they're going to say, nope, nope, nope. It was the other person, it was the other person, the other person. Bottom line is, is he's done at Michigan State. He's screwed. Michigan State. And for anybody who knee jerked, the athletic is one of them. If you ever thought I'm going to, you're going to entice me with your dollar a month for 12 months to come back when one of our own former, Chris Vanini, you know, talks about how Michigan State screwed up that press conference and whatever yesterday. They did it the right way. They didn't know because this was a Title IX investigation. It was it was quiet until the defendant leaked it, um, and then their hand was forced. So I think Michigan State, especially the president, Haller probably could have done a little bit better job, but clearly this is his first time having to deal with something of this magnitude. The president, I thought, did a really good job. She came out with a letter today to alumni. I've not gotten that yet, but I've heard it from a couple of people that said this is not the Michigan State of old. I think... Michigan State handled this the right way. Uh, making Harlan Barnett the coach, the only other difference I think could have been if they made it Courtney Hawkins. That was what I was alluding to before. If you got to find a way to keep him. Uh, he might not be ready to be a head coach, but, man, I, I've got a lot of respect for Hawk, and I think the players do too. And if you want to save guys from when he eventually does get fired, which, by the way, don't expect that to happen for a while because as soon as he gets fired – Guys can hit the portal. Game. Um, and I, I think Michigan State is going to do everything in its power to save some of this really good young talent that they have in-house and not have to start all over from scratch. But I think, generally speaking, Haller and the president, interim president did a good job. Um, the PR is never perfect, but it was way better than how they handled Nasser. They're, they're circling the wagons well. And I'm telling you, brilliant move to have Coach D, who's going to be back in town this week anyway, Come back, Godfather and put on, of Michigan State. Put football. on the headset and be a part of it as a stabilizing factor. The worst thing anybody can say about him is could be said about every coach in America. Neil, if you listen to my podcast, I'm talking about you. Your excuse that well, Michigan State's going to go get a guy who knowingly recruited a sexual assault, you know, a guy who committed a sexual assault and then he did it again when he got on campus. Spare me. You don't think that that happens at Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and everywhere else. I'm not saying that it's right, but coaches are also in the business of turning lives around. And I don't know that situation from, you know, whenever that was, 2016 or whatever. Unfortunate situation. I'll give that to you. Happen again. The guy's a criminal. He's in jail. But unless you've been a coach, and I can even speak to it from being a freshman basketball coach who gave a particular puke in the Rockford area umpteen chances i'm not going to name any names but like umpteen chances to kind of get it together that's because that's what you do as a coach so spare me the argument that well you just brought back a guy that blah 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 kiss my ass he's the greatest kiss coach my ass harbaugh stood up for shim beckler who stood up for a, a doctor that was raping men and boys on that campus for years and michigan got nothing for it so Spare me that. I think Michigan State did a really good job. I think having D'Antonio comes back stabilizes things. I think he can kind of show Barnett the ropes. It kind of almost 
tells me that they really want to make this a tryout for Barnett to give him a chance because he's a Michigan State guy. He played with Haller at Michigan State. He's been around before he's left and come back. So he's had that, you know, gone and come back experience. He's been a DC somewhere. Like he he gets it. Um, and I think D'Antonio can kind of show him the ropes. Look, why Michigan State just didn't give D'Antonio the kind of budget that he has for coaches that Tucker got and everything I to don't begin think with? Done it, but. I, I I don't know if he would have, but like whatever. I have zero problem with that. So I think that they handled it well. I thought that they learned their lesson and they got that press presser a lot more correct. Was it perfect? No. You know, the media would argue, well, you left us to interpret your things because you didn't answer. They didn't know a whole lot then. You can't say a whole lot then. It still is an investigation where there's not you're you're not gonna respond to the allegations. You just you just legally can't do that. And the media knows that. They're just looking for ways to bitch about not getting questions answered. So I think, generally speaking, Michigan State handled itself very well. Again, Valenti, take a listen to that take. Um, you know, Title IX stuff is really confidential. Michigan State is just not in a place to respond to the particulars of the case right now. Um, they didn't know the depth of the details because the case is supposed to be sealed. You know, ignorance is bliss when it comes to the media. They don't get their question answered, then they're going to they're gonna rail and they're going to create their headlines and they're going to create their whatever. So this is what I do. I don't read it. Generally speaking, minus to react to it on the podcast, I don't listen to it because I don't want their opinion. Give me the facts in this case. I see the facts on Mel's side. I see the facts on the ladies' side. I think both sides are screwed up. I think both sides are in the wrong. Yep. And the bottom line is Mel Tucker is not going to coach. No, he's, at, his ass is He's not going to coach at Michigan long. State again. No, he shouldn't. No. no because no. Michigan State, and smartly too, what? there's the morality clause, right? Like, wait. I'm going to read his statement in a minute because there's something in there that's going to... And you don't have to pay it. his dumbass. You can get right. $80 million. Um, you, don't, you don't have to pay and, him. And we'll see. Like, how is Michigan State going to respond to this? How are the players going to respond? You know, how do recruits respond? A lot of it has to do with mm-hmm. what's going to happen over the next couple, couple weeks. Um, I have one question. Why does Michigan State take a beating on things like this over and over and over again? But Michigan, with their case, that happened over 40 years. Ohio State, with their case, that was like 30, 40 years, don't. Penn State took a beating. I mean, Joe Pop basically died because of that situation. Now, was he in the wrong? Did he know things and not say anything? I think so. But regardless, Michigan State, Penn State, absolute media whipping boys. Ohio State, Michigan, not for the same basic things. And worse, really, in this case, we're talking about a dude who spanked his monkey on the phone with some ugly girl. Okay? That's the bottom line of what happened. That's the worst of what happened. And then he lied about it. Yeah. Um, Out of the school. And, and yet, you would think that he was Nasser 2.0 compared to what went on at Michigan, what went on at Ohio State with the doctor that was fondling men's buttholes for years. Yeah, like I have a real problem with ESPN picking and choosing which schools they're going to smear, um, and in certain schools getting away with it. I'm sure it happens elsewhere. Obviously, we're more privy in, in this area to it. Um, I just it, it's it's that part is disgusting to me. And like, and Michigan fans, keep your mouth shut because your coach is a cheater who's suspended. Because he cheated and he lied about it, so what he did is as an NCAA violation. What Mel Tucker did was a violation of morality and was just a violation of trust with his wife. And he's just a dumbass. Okay, so yeah, like even to put him apples to apples, 
just don't come at me with it because I will I will drive you to the ground like a January 6th advocate because you're wrong. You're stupid if that's your excuse. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to read this because I think there's a lot of telling pieces in here. So this is Mel Tucker's statement after all the stuff that went on. Brenda Tracy's allegations of harassment are completely false. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's what he says. Yeah, of course, he's going to leave that. The proceedings initiated by Ms. Tracy are devoid of any semblance of fairness for any matter of this importance. And the university's, quote, hearing scheduled for October 5th through 6th is so flawed that there is no opportunity for the truth to come out. That is why I share some truth with you now. Okay, so hearing is in quotes. I did air quotes. You can't see me do that on a podcast that's audio only. So that's his first shot at Michigan State. I helped bring Ms. Tracy to campus in the summer of 2021 because I support her mission of sexual misconduct prevention. This single presentation was her only paid engagement with the university. We developed a mutual friendship that grew into an intimate adult relationship. At this point, my wife and I had been estranged for a long time. What long time is that? Days, weeks, months? I don't know. Ms. Tracy and I engaged in dozens of calls throughout fall 2021 and winter 2022, many of which she initiated and which occurred late at night. We both talked about all sorts of intimate private matters. She told me I could trust her and I proceeded to do just that. I was absolutely unaware of the previous negative comments that she had made about iconic MSU coaches, then President Engler, MSU in general, even her more recent criticism of Coach Harbaugh that I learned about during this investigation. I don't even know what that's referring to. It must have been no. in the original story. So well, he, he backed So first of all, things. here's your big thing is like trust her. Okay, so again, she's done this five times before Mel. Do you think maybe the fact that you get paid $95 million a year and can help fund her continued crusade might have, like, duh. Okay, that's just my sidebar. The 1,200 pages of investigative investigation materials that Ms. Tracy released to the media contain a number of important facts that any fair-minded person would want to know in evaluating the situation. Even the investigator hired by the university found that we had a, quote, personal relationship and that we shared, quote, deeply personal and private information with each other. Ms. Tracy encouraged our personal relationship by inviting and accepting gifts from me. During the investigation, Ms. Tracy admitted requesting and accepting my gift of expensive athletic shoes, a $200 Venmo payment, and a personal contribution to her nonprofit. Not only did she accept those gifts, but she had to provide me her shoe size and address to receive the shoes and her Venmo ID to receive the money. Yes, I did have a late night intimate conversation with Ms. Tracy in April 2022. Again, as even Ms. Tracy's statements to the investigator confirmed, this conversation had nothing to do with the university and was outside of the scope of Title IX or any university policy. But, by the way, while press reports have called this a Title IX investigation, that's inaccurate. The university admitted there is no Title IX jurisdiction so the investigation of my private life was relegated to an alleged policy violation. No, that's called the morality co- cause. Uh, and guess what, Mel? You, uh, on your little tugging escapade down we're in at, Florida, we're you Michigan were on State, Michigan you lied about. dime. Yeah. And you lied about where you were. <clears throat> While I am saddened by Ms. Tracy's disclosure of the sensitive nature of the call, let me be perfectly clear. It was entirely mutual, private event between two adults living at opposite ends of the country. She initiated the discussion that night, sent me a provocative picture of the two of us together, suggested what she may look like without clothes, and never once during the 36 minutes did she object in any manner, much less hang up the phone. 
Following the call, it was not until four months later, only after Ms. Tracy's next paid presentation was postponed and only after I complained to her that she and her assistant were spreading rumors about my marriage, which you just said was estranged, that she ever told anyone, including her therapist, best friend, or attorney, that she was offended by the call. In fact, she gave me every indication that everything was fine. She sent me a, quote, Happy Father's Day text two months after the call and repeatedly expressed a desire to return to Michigan State, telling my assistants that she had a close relationship with me. Also, contrary to her allegations, I never canceled any presentation. Given a personal change and scheduling challenges as football season approached, we merely postponed it until January 2023. She chose to file her complaint instead of proceeding with the training. The investigation has not been fair or unbiased. I can only conclude that there is an ulterior motive designed to terminate my contract based on some other factor, such as a desire to avoid any Nasser taint or my race or gender. Now, taint, not like you think I thought I meant. <laughs> not the What was that line from the movie or whatever? Uh, anyway, I digress. So there's a, there is, there's your first not veiled but very clear shot at Michigan State. The investigation by Michigan State has not been fair or unbiased. I can only conclude that there is an ulterior motive designed to terminate my contract based on some other factors such as desire to avoid any Nasser taint or my race or gender. Well, gee, Mel, I wonder why Michigan State wants to avoid another Nasser situation. Hmm, riddle me that one, you dumbass. And as far as your race, your race has nothing to do no, with the fact that you're going to bring it into it. You're course. stupid. You admitted to jerking off on the phone to an ugly girl. Like you're stupid. You did, and then you lied that you did. You pulled the Jim Harbaugh. You lied and yeah, said yeah, you didn't do it. I miss you. Like, and and you know what? You you broke the morality clause, and it's clear. It's in your contract. Like, put on your reading glasses and read it. You broke the morality clause, and that is why Michigan State will fire you. Okay, so I continue. Here's another shot at Michigan State. The sham, quote, hearing scheduled for October 5th 6th is ridiculously flawed and not designed to arrive at the truth. For example, in this Zoom hearing, one, neither Ms. Tracy nor any of her witnesses will be required to testify under oath of, or per penalty of perjury. Two, we cannot present any or offer any substantive evidence of innocence. And three, there is no opening statement, closing argument, or any opportunity to explain our case. This, quote, hearing process was obviously designed for student infractions not to address personal private acts between adults in which disclosure of intimate details impact one's reputation and career. I have no intention of allowing Mrs. Tracy's character assassination to go unaddressed. I, I get it, Mel, what you're saying there. And on the surface, you're right. What you do in your personal time doesn't matter, but you don't get personal time because you're a $95 million dollar. Yeah, a state employee because you work for a state it. university. So as soon as you made that that lapse in moral judgment, you screwed yourself and the university. Yeah. Ms. Tracy's attorney told us from the very beginning that I should not lose my job over her allegations, but that it would take a lot of money to make it go away. And that's pretty damning. Her twisting of our personal relationship months after it concluded is designed to revive her career and destroy my life, precipitated by her greed. One of the most absurd allegations by Ms. Tracy is that if our relationship and associated facts went public, that only she would be harmed, not me. As the world can see, quite the opposite is true. I've been ripped from the team that I love without any meaningful opportunity to tell my side of the story other than this press release. I am incredibly proud of the outstanding group of men on the team and my heart aches to be sidelined. I ask everyone to consider carefully the undisputed facts outlined and reserve judgment until the full truth comes out. 
So th- them's fighting words from a guy who knows that he's gone, right? Like he's either going to get fired over the morality clause or Michigan State's going to say, look, you want this to go away. We want this to go away. Here's $5 here's, million. Here's Thank money. you for your time. GTFO. That's, that's and Michigan State can move on. And then the question becomes, and now I will say this, I put this in my notes, never say never. I mean, you know, look at Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Um, So Ryan, give me your take and then what, we don't have to spend a lot of time today because we're already at an hour, but like on uh, coaching candidates for this, for this game. I'll tell you what, I'll give you my, my list that I have created here. Um, so this this is just a rough let's no particular order. Actually, this is my top guy, Mike Elko, Duke's coach. He's young. He's like fifty, really good. He has Duke turned around. If you can coach at Duke, you can sure as hell coach at Michigan State. Um, Brian Hartline, offensive coordinator, Ohio State, young, great recruiter. Uh, he has no head coaching experience. You got to have offense offensive-minded guy or at least someone as innovative as your head coach in today's college football or else you die. Um, I also would like to see Chris Kleeman's name. He's Kansas State's coach. He's really good. Um, Jason Candle, Toledo's coach, younger younger guy, offensive-minded. Bill O'Brien, Patriots offense coordinator. I don't know if he would do that. I feel like he might be next for the Patriots, uh, but maybe. Um Jonathan Smith, Oregon State's coach, younger guy. Oregon State's going to be in the freaking Mountain West. Um, he went there, so he might not leave, but wouldn't mind it. Um, Garrett Riley, Clemson's offensive coordinator, was at TCU last year. Would probably be a really good recruiter. Um, and then this is among other names, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Regardless, you got to find a way to keep Hawk. I think Hawk and Barnett are going to be your two stabilizing influences. Michigan State guys, you need a connection to the past. Um, whomever it is that comes in next, I think you've you've got it. Those are the your two primary guys you got to keep on your staff. Yeah, um, and the, the the D'Antonio thing, uh, he's the him and Izzo are the two greatest Spartans of all time. Uh, is, Dino's pulling the Barry Alvarez, Bob Stoops interim thing that they've done at their schools where they coach for a long time. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a great move. And and to answer the question that was asked me yesterday, no way that D'Antonio only knew yesterday morning. I, I don't believe that to be true. I think he did not know. I don't think Haller, Mel might have called Haller at 1.30 Saturday night, Sunday morning when this stuff broke and told him his side of the story. But because of the way the investigation was going, I don't think Coach D knew. And I think Haller picked up the phone and said, can you help us? And Coach D said, I'm in. Because bat Coach, that, yeah, bat signal, just like the, the thing that was sent out. So, yeah. all right, well, a lot more. We'll see what happens, you know, in the coming days, weeks, out. months. Yeah. I'm sure more will come out. I'm sure Mel will come too. There's so. going to be a lot of fighting back and forth, and there's already the war of words. And, look, the sooner Michigan State can get rid of him, but without screwing the entire football program and screwing themselves out a lot He's of He's going to try to drag better, him down with them, though. The That's better. the issue. Um, now a word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right. NFL, baby. NFL, you already touched on a little bit. We'll start with the Lions. Uh, did not play the perfect game. Still win against the defending Super Bowl champs. 
I'm so proud of them. Defense looked fantastic. Offense had moments. Um, Chiefs kind of had a decent, a weird game plan. Um, Lions looked the part. Uh, we'll see if they can continue and keep it rolling. I think they will next week and hopefully can turn into an NFC North crown for the first time since the early 90s. Yeah, we said this last week. Like The Lions have more talent on their roster than they have in a long time. Uh, way more. They're their O-line, their D-line are good, and their young talent was really good in that game, too. Between Gibbs, oh yeah, uh, uh, with Laporta, looks really Gibbs, nice. Gibbs, Laporta, Campbell, Campbell, Branch had a pick six. Yeah, I mean, their four main rookies did really well. Like, here's just the notes that I took during the game. I mean, not a surprise, but they fake inside their own 20 Campbell. on the second drive of the game. Gambling man. Uh, I will say early, at least, the third down defense still leaves a lot to be desired, but they shored that up as the game went on. Rookies we just talked about were very good. As much as you all know that I'm not a Hutch lover because of Michigan guy, he has got a motor. He gets upfield a little bit too much at times, but uh, he was strong. Like He had a lot of pressures. He makes a difference, so much so that the right tackle for Kansas City was False starting and every play and illegal amount of guys in the backfield on every damn play. And he was a tell because if it was a run play, he was actually up close on the line of scrimmage. And that was a big testament to, to Hutch, who they can move inside out. Goff is really great in the intermediate game. I mean, he makes some great passes in the intermediate game. Will he be able to stretch the field if Jamison stays healthy and can catch the ball? Maybe. That's probably something that's lacking. But, I mean, minus Marvin Jones having a dud of a game. Goff is really strong in the intermediate game. Um, I think he's third all time in in most inter- passes without a pick. Yeah, in the streak for that, um, which is pretty remarkable. No respect from the refs on pass interference calls, holds, trips, the false maybe. starts. I mean, ridiculous. That that's inexcusable. What they're right tackle was getting away with. I, I mean, you can't move like that without it being a penalty. You can't line up that way without being a penalty, and yet it wasn't a penalty until very late in the game. Um, you know, Generally speaking, though, hey, I just wanted the Lions to compete as a Lions fan, and the good news is they didn't even play a flawless game. They didn't play a, a great game. They played a good game, but it didn't take a great game to beat a great team. Um, did Kansas City miss Kelsey? Of course they did. Did they miss Chris Jones? Yeah, they did. But their defense was decent. Uh, they did definitely miss Kelsey. And they were helped out by drop passes. But you know what, Tariko, Shove your asterisk up your whatever Italian ass because uh, that happens in games. That's called football. That's called sports. Yep. Um, one of the other games I wanted to talk about, how about Packers first? First kicker other than Crosby since 2006 in a game for them. First different starter at quarterback other than Favre and Rodgers since I was a sophomore in college, 1992. That's crazy. And they looked good while the Bears still looked like hot garbage. The Bears suck. I mean, the NFC North sucks. I'm sorry. I mean, the, the Packers are decent, but is that really Cousins throws for 344. He gets blindside sacked and fumbles it. Okay, so you can kind of blame that on him, but it was also bad offensive line. Bad center exchange with him. That was the center backup center's fault. An interception goes to him where the receiver dropped it into the hands of the defender. He throws for 344 as a great game for Jefferson, lose. and they lose to Tampa Bay. Bengals. Joe I mean, uh, Burrow looked awful. It signs a, the most lucrative contract in NFL history, and then goes that. out and shows, throws Oof. 88 yards passing. Yeah, that was, that was bad. A lot of one-point games. Denver Jag, still lost. Yeah, Denver lost. Jags looked decent against Colts. Anthony Richardson actually played pretty 
dang well. Dolphins look pretty damn good on and the road. Yeah, Tyreek Hill said he's going to get Rams are dinged yards. up to hell and really young, and they looked good against yeah, the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks. Niners looked fantastic. Yeah. Eagles looked good early, but they, they had to they hang they on late. suspect, yeah. Um, Giants they, were, I mean, wolf. damn son with the Cowboys. Like, they just absolutely destroyed them. Destroyed yeah, them. Getting back to the Dolphins, I mean, tug of by low, 466, three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 215 yards on 11 catches. I mean, whoa. AFC East is loaded because the Patriots didn't the look Patriots half bad decent. against the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, you got the Jets, they Bills playing now. It's 10-3 Bills, and Rodgers is, who knows. He's how. out for the game, ankle so, injury. Um, you know, Raven, so, The so Ravens we'll get that. more hurt again, which sucks. Dobbins out for the season again. Running backs, yeah, they've been losing Titan, left the, and right. The right Titans right. stink. Uh, there's a lot of teams that just stink. I mean, the the Panthers stink. The uh, The Vikings aren't good. The Titans suck. I don't think the Saints are very good. Um, Steelers looked awful. The Cardinals are just abysmal. Texans, not good. Bears, bad. Um Seahawks look bad. Giants bad. Um, it's just it's tough sledding out there for those teams, and it's hilarious. Um, Pride to Detroit's SB Nation. They write for the Lions. Um, they wrote an article about Lion former Lions on new teams and the two most high profile guys. You know, oh, why why the Lions get rid of Swift and Williams? They were really good, and you give up them to get Montgomery and, and Gibbs. STFU pal because Jamal Williams had like 18 carries for 40 yards and DeAndre Swift touched the ball three times and had negative yards. Yeah, uh, those two Montgomery and Gibbs are a great, a great one-two, one-two punch. punch. Great one-two punch. Um, and you, Gibbs, you see him go. He plays receiver. They put him in motion. He's a gadget. He's literally just he's a he's a he's a hell of a player. He's fast. He's pretty big and he's shifty. Yeah, and, and Montgomery's a good blocker. He can chip on the blitz and um, the Lions pass, are, the are, are well set up to succeed. Yeah, but I, I am ecstatic about this NFL season. It's going to be fun. Big one on Thursday night already for the Vikings. Uh, trying to avoid going 0 2, playing the Eagles. Yeah, we'll see how Kirk does in, in the prime time. It's uh, about all I have for NFL. Yeah, well, we got the Mitchell Palooza question of the week, and that's should the NFL get rid of divisions within each conference and adopt the NBA format of the best, in their case, NBA is more than seven, but best seven teams from each yeah, conference I, make the playoffs? I, I've never, I like that, Mitch. I've never thought of that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think so. Because Makes if you sense. think about it, like, oh, because okay, what, what you, so you get a reward for. For winning your division because you beat you had the best record against the other teams in your division, but but what year look at the that? NFC North? If what year have, was that? Two years ago when the AFC, NFC East like the like six and ten won the division, right? Or it's like, like no the NFC South garbage. is pretty bad. The NFC North minus the Lions. I mean, it's maybe the garbage. Packers will be better, but like the I mean, yeah, I. Because here's the thing: is if the Lions, let's just say, went twelve and five and obliterated the rest of the North, they should get in the playoffs anyway, right? Like they're the best teams are going to get in the playoffs that way anyway. I don't think it matters as much anymore because they're the conference. You know, the divisions only matter for scheduling purposes because then you can kind of re, you know keep rivalries like. Nobody wants to see the Packers and the Vikings not play. Nobody wants to see the Packers-Bears or Packers-Lions or Bears-Lions not play. Like, those are rivalries or Giants-Cowboys or Redskins-Cowboys or whatever. Like, the you know, in the AFC East, the Patriots and the Bills and the Patriots and the Jets. Like, 
I from I think you keep divisions for that sake, but yes, I think the seven best teams should get in the playoffs. I don't think you should be rewarded for winning a crappy division. Yep. You just shouldn't. Like there's there's no reason for it. And you know what? Then if one division happens to be stacked and somebody gets left out just because you know, the third best team in a in a division goes, let's say, ten and seven, but they don't get in the playoffs because the winner of the AFC or NFC South went nine and eight. That's not fair. No. So, Mitch, I completely agree with you. I think they should adopt that, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to see them do that because obviously they expanded the playoffs because of co- kind of because of COVID, and it worked, and they kept it. Um, I think that's the next logical step. Could just get it. the fourteen best teams in the playoffs because you don't need to keep expanding the playoffs. That's the solution. Is you don't need to expand the playoffs at all if you don't make it about the division winners. Like same in baseball. Like the AF, if the and the AL Central sucks. Why should any of them make it? <laughs> right? right. They're not one of the best teams just because they beat more crappy teams in their division right. over time. So I think all sports should go that way, to be yep. honest. I like it. All right. We're good on NFL. We're good on NFL. All right. Sprint. All right. Number one question. Best golf game you can play with your buddies for money? Oh, man. You don't even ever bet with me. Well, I, I like... Wolf is a really good one. I mean, I'm good with just like a regular good old Nassau front back total, um, you know, skins. I mean, I think when you're going on a golf trip, like green snakes, you know, you can get into some kind of fun games that way. Um, yeah, like Wolf is probably was probably one of my favorite games that we used to play. Um, that was kind of a fun one, I would say. Yeah, I like that. It's just skins. I've played that before. Um, let's keep it simple. What's worse, the Big Ten or the NFC? Boy. Remains to be seen at this point in time. Uh, The Big Ten West is hot garbage, so I'm going to go Big Ten because of the Big Ten West. I think the Big Ten as well. Will Mel Tucker ever be a head coach again? No. I think think he... This is my prediction. I think he settles probably if not gets fired i think he quietly ends up as a defensive backs coach or something like that in the nfl yep. and i think he makes his way back to being a coordinator in the nfl because the nfl doesn't care about that stuff like his again honest if this is just a personal thing it's a it's a severe lack of judgment but like the fact that you lied about it and then it goes against the clause in your contract, that's what's going to get you fired. So I think he, I believe in second chances. I think somebody will give him a chance because he probably is a good good football coach when he's not the CEO. Well, I've heard otherwise. Well, when he's not the CEO. I think he's probably yeah. a good coach as a position. When he coach. actually has to do stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he'll be serve as an assistant. Maybe maybe he'll go to the Nick Saban rehabilitation yeah, coaching good. clinic. But he's not an offensive guy. But Nick is. To... But Nick's getting older, so who knows how much longer he's going to be coaching? Right. Um, my last one off our tailgate the other day. What's the best? If you had to put one topping on your taco, what would it be? Just one. Oh, pico. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a little spicy salsa, a la uh, the best spicy salsas at Trini's. That, that is good. Dynamite. That is good. Yeah, for those keeping score, we had fried or blackstone tacos we last a, week as a gam specialty, and they are. We got some uh, hibachi this week. So if you're in East Lansing, stop by the tailgate uh, if you want to 
if you want to have the the little man pull out his pant the little uh hibachi you know like fire putter out or to pee in your mouth with some sake uh stop on by that sounds really wrong but uh you'll know we're gonna call him little mel yeah (laughs) uh all right that's 139 of these uh let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer any topics you want us to discuss in hodgepodge um, Mitch Apalooza, keep those yeah, questions coming. Yeah, my man, Mitch, keep on, keep them coming. Uh, we appreciate it, um, all of our loyal listeners. Um, and Chris, they, we do have your I have analysis. The, I just, we just need to find the, a non-crazy story week to talk about it. So yeah, we will put that next on week, Hopefully. Knock, uh, on, knock on Mel Tucker Wood. All right. Meantime, as George W. Bush said post-9-11, one of the worst days in American history saw some of the bravest acts in American's history. We'll always honor the heroes of 9-11.